Hey, Jamie, I've got a question for you. What do you want, Tom? Who's on the podcast this coming Friday? Oh, is it someone big? Boy. Is uh, it a big one? Shall I bother listening this week? Yeah. If I was going to say uh, take. And I would say off no, your trousers. No, no. Take. Me out. No, take. Paddy McGuinness. No, take. Take on me. Take that. Wow. Have a little patience. But hang on, presumably you've only, you haven't got all three of them, have you? Presumably you've just got one of them. Buddy, we have all three of them on the podcast. They've released a new album. It's coming out. They're going on tour. They talk about the ups, the downs, the lefts, the rights, on everything that happened in Take the That. The ins, the outs. And they reveal it all this Friday. Exclusively. On Private Parts. That's a big one. I'm going to listen to that. 
in that, but it's for a year. And they don't have like, where Shipwrecked has like camera crews in the last about yeah. a week or two or something like that. This is a whole year. And as well as like creating like their shelter and finding food and hunting and stuff like that, they've basically got to find a way to live. So they've got to create a new society for a year. So it's a bit like wow. Castaway, but they've got to completely live off the hand. They don't have buildings to live in and stuff like that. That's insane. So this, has this already happened? They've already been there and done it? It started in March. Okay. Uh, so they've been there four months. So they've got no contact with the outside world. Even oh, the God. crew are embedded. So, like, they don't leave either. That's a hell of a job application, isn't it? I know, man. I'm not sure I could do that. I absolutely couldn't. I'd hate that. As a 30-year-old man, I think I'm over that. <laughs> and your wife would be upset. I mean, she'd be slightly disappointed. <laughs> and, yeah, it's, it's 600 acres, and they've done fixed rig over 600 acres. So, I, and Kia Films have done this, haven't they? <laughs> yeah. I think it's the biggest thing they've ever done. It's yeah, a it's huge absolute... feat just to have... Absolutely. To even set this up, let alone make it for you. I admire when... Channel 4 are quite good with this. You know when they just do those like TV does, like, do you remember when they crashed that plane? Yeah. And they just do these huge like social experiments and these like huge high budget, like when Big Brother started out, Big Brother was like an innovative, yeah. amazing social experiment and there was Nasty Nick and stuff like that. Then over the years it got turned into putting like Katie Price in there and yeah. her arguing with her mother. It was good with it, it was genius. It was Every, literally everyone watched Big Brother when it first started. Exactly, it was so intriguing, wasn't it? And then it turned into this weird sideshow. But I think this is such an amazing idea. Like, the fact that I'm annoyed that I didn't come up with it. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, like, uh, it was like one of the commissioners at Channel 4 is his idea. And he just approached, yeah, the production company and was like, do you want to make this show? Wow. And they went, yeah, of course. Like, who'd say no to that? Absolutely. I, I, yeah, even the crew, like, they're three embedded crew members in, so they'll be part of it as well. So as well as filming it, they'll be part what of it. Amazing experience. They get paid to do that as well. I know. It's incredible. The overtime on that. I know. <laughs> 360. invoice after a year. 24-7. Yeah, I did a bit more than that, yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely incredible, So when's it start? When's it on? Monday. Wow. So, Monday, so yeah. what was it, every week for the next? Or are they doing it in batches? Or I don't know how it works. I, I don't know if that's like they're doing a Monday episode that sums up like the first three months and then they do it like four episodes like that or if you'll stick with them for ages. But it's absolutely incredible, isn't and it? Do you know if there's any like social media part to it or is it just... I think it's literally just that. But they won't know about Donald Trump. They won't know about Brexit. They won't know oh, about... Yeah, of course. ...any of this like, stuff. It needs to happen this morning. They won't know about any of this stuff. no idea. It's absolutely like... I'm not sure I'd like that. There was actually... I listened to a podcast, This American Life, right? And you know Japan has like mad game shows. Yeah. There was this one where they got this guy to live in a flat, no contact with the outside world, and he had to apply for competitions until he earned 10 grand by winning competitions. That's really cool. Yeah, it's a great really idea, cool. right? But he was in there for like a year and they didn't tell him, like he signed a contract kind of absentmindedly. Yeah. Didn't tell him that they were live streaming it. And he became like this huge celebrity in Japan. Oh God. And had no idea. And he stepped out after a year and everyone knew who he was. Yeah, well actually he stepped out after a year and then they took him to South Korea and made him do it again. And he was like out of his mind. And he didn't know he was being, he knew he was being filmed, but he didn't know it was like, like so he was doing yeah, weird yeah. stuff and he was like a stand up, so he'd like practice routines and stuff like that. And then when it ended, they just like immediately took him from the flat into a TV studio, loads of thousands of screaming fans, and his face and like huge newspapers and magazines, everyone knew who he was. And apparently, like, he had like a bit of an adverse reaction to it. That's bonkers. <laughs> I'm not, yeah, I mean, having gone from obscurity, not knowing your own success, and then coming out and seeing that. That's a bit much, I think that would, Insane. that would do my head in. Apparently, like, so he did want to be famous, so like, after the initial kind of like 
oh god that's so weird he kind of embraced it but now okay. he's kind of slipped further and further out of the headlines in Japan and now he's just this weird kind of and now he can't take having not having that level of fame again yeah that's what I, it's so quick these days to lose that level of fame I was listening to Anna Faris's podcast and she had a YouTube one I can't for the life of me remember his name mm. he was saying that YouTube is he reckons on average of about two and a half years yeah. lifespan of being famous YouTubers and they make quite a lot of money they do pretty well and then they just drop off a cliff yeah it's amazing how quick it's happening that people can be famous like really famous in quite a big way for that amount of period of time and then it just completely just disappear there's an interview of KSI actually I think in the Telegraph where he showed a surprising amount of self-awareness where he was just like I know I'm not going to be famous forever I'm going to make Hey Where's the Sunshine yeah, I'm a play. flash in the pan I play computer games it seems to resonate with people they're all going to get older and go into their 20s and not watch me anymore yeah I'm just going to do what I do whilst I do it. At least he's honest about it. And he's still gaining subscribers at the moment. But like, I like that kind of refreshing yeah. honesty. He's like, yeah, I've got a shelf life. But a few of them will start broadening out and doing different stuff. And they will... Like, YouTube is not going to be here forever. No. Those people making content on YouTube isn't going to be here forever. But if they're clever and they're moving the right way, yeah, they can be sustainable. It's just being self-conscious enough to know that that platform and you on that platform aren't forever. It is for a shelf span. If you can move on with the times quickly. Is that if you can grow up with your audience yeah. or move with the times? Yeah. I guess that's why they were writing books and doing DVD deals. And, and that's why they, like a few of them will slightly do a bit of few TV things to kind yeah. of be like things in pies kind of thing. Yeah. So moving on for that. Yes. Moving swiftly into one of mine. I think it segues quite nicely. Um, so BuzzFeed Motion Pictures are readying their first ever feature film called Brother Orange. And they partnered with Warner Brothers over it. Nice. And having us, we talked about, you know, 23 reasons why BuzzFeed should make TV the other week and clearly they're making movies this has I happened think, a few times with a podcast where we say something and then about there's, a week there's later. another one coming out later where it's exactly the same thing I think <laughs> in the whole world is listening to us and taking I don't want to call us tastemakers but I'm going to do it anyway I, I, think, I think we should <laughs> we are tastemakers um, so yeah it's really interesting they're moving into feature length movies I wonder why movies and not TV and how are they going to release it is it a theatrical release in yeah well, they haven't said how they're going to release it I think I imagine it's going to be theatrical yeah um in a funny sort of way, I guess the team at Warner Brothers, it might be easy to just create one piece of content. Yeah. Rather than trying to do a series and find distribution. This is, you know, they'll, they'll own it as well, so they're not working yeah. with channels to distribute it or Netflix. They'll own the content with Warner Brothers and they can do what they want with the IP. But I think it's really interesting that these companies are starting to move, like, you know, Vice starting a TV channel, BuzzFeed moving into motion pictures. Absolutely. Everyone always wants to be what they're not, don't they? Yeah. Everyone wants a bite of every bit of pie. Oh, they're massive doing what they do now. So why not be massive making movies as well? Does it say what Brother Orange is about? Um, it, it tells the story of a strange and serendipitous BuzzFeed post that went crazy viral in China. I think I saw, I remember this story. I very vaguely remember this story. He wrote like a long article about it. It was like one guy got very famous in China for some right. reason. Yeah, like some weird article. And then he wrote all the follow-up about it. And I can't remember why. But yeah, that happens to one of BuzzFeed's employees, I think. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's what it's about. That's that's interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Why, not? Why not? I'll watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Next one from you? Next one from me. Uh, I was going to talk about Mr. Robot. Have you seen the first two? I, Mr. Robot, right, it was one of those where I watched the first three episodes of season one. Right. Loved it. Thought, that's brilliant. Brilliant. Left on that cliffhanger where like, he pushes him off the, you know, when they meet at the pier. Yeah, he yeah. He pushes yeah. him off right. And I was like, oh, that's so good. And then I never watched it anymore. It's, oh, it's, it is unbelievable. It's, I, that I, first series is unbelievable. I just watched the first two episodes of season two, and it's it's getting darker. 
It's really, it's really, it's really it's already pretty. Yeah, it's, it's, now, <laughs> it's now it's getting a bit more messed up. It's genius. They were saying like it's, they were saying was it you that was saying like The Verge did some collaboration with? Yes, it's ongoing. So they're doing a live stream, a half hour live stream straight after the episode airs, talking about the episode and talking through. Um, the tech behind it and how it's actually done and because it's not all made up it's all based in reality like most of it could actually happen yeah so they're kind of dissecting it and talking about it a bit like um the shows about game of thrones you know when they talk through the episode it's a similar side of, that, yeah. side of that but it's a bit more techy it's a bit more in depth and it's quite a clever collaboration i think that's an awesome idea man. i do need to watch more of it the reason why i'm talking about it today is that they uh did the premiere on twitter with no warning at all they just tweeted yeah, it out. They, they leaked it. They leaked it. Yeah. It's so cool. More and more people should be doing this. Absolutely, man. It's just such... It feels like they're doing everything right at the moment, doesn't it? They're, they're using social media in a really clever and knowing way. They, they know what their brand is. They know what their audience is. And they're completely playing into it. And more and more shows should be doing stuff like that. Do you reckon because, obviously, it's a really tech-orientated show... Yeah. ...that the people involved and behind it obviously understand the power of this more? Yeah. So are embracing stuff like that. Yeah, I completely think so. Like, yeah, and they're doing that collaboration with Amazon, aren't they? So they release an episode when it's on America, yeah. it comes out here and stuff like that. They know what they're doing. Like Breaking Bad did. And also, the other thing that they did was, um, it was on primetime in America, mm-hmm. and they put four F-words in there, and there was no, no uproar about it. Is that, is that not a strange thing in America? It's a very strange thing in America. Really? Yeah. So it, like um, yeah, apparently like it's very unexpected. Doesn't happen very often. Like if you hear an F word at around nine p.m., yeah. people usually kick off. But apparently, it just kind of slipped under the radar, and people are becoming a bit more tolerant of it. That's really interesting. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I love that show. You need to watch more of it. Yeah, Genius. I will. I immediately after this podcast, I'm still out of it. Okay, so I'm going to talk about the one and only PewDiePie. PewDiePie. Well, that's not just him. That's unfair. Um, so the story is that PewDiePie and other YouTubers <coughs> took money from Warner Brothers for positive game reviews um, yes. with an adequate disclosure that they were sponsored videos. So essentially, um, the Federal Trade Commission in the States has, issued, has come to a settlement with Warner Brothers. Um, essentially, Warner Brothers paid these YouTubers undisclosed large amounts of money to, as they said, to do at least one tweet or Facebook post about the game as well as produce videos with a string of caveats to avoid showing it in negative light. So essentially... They weren't allowed to say anything bad about it. And then in the description box, there had to be a direct link for people to go buy that game. Yeah. And the FTC have said there was not adequate disclosure that he was paid for, these were paid for videos. So the audiences are watching. Their favourite gamers play these games with glowing reviews of them, clicking links to go buy them. And the FTC went, you probably shouldn't do that, which I think is fair enough. What does adequate disclosure mean? Is it just doing like hashtag ad like in the title? Or is, or yeah, got to be there's a no more? strict way. I think what they say is that if you click on a video, you, the viewer has to easily be able to see if this is um, that's a sponsored piece of content. Yeah. And the, and the FTC have gone, they haven't done that in this case. It doesn't, have to, it doesn't have to add in the title, although that helps, or it should be in the thumbnail, or it should be in the first line description. Um, but they've said that it hasn't happened. And it's happened a few times. We spoke about this before, like to a much lesser extent, Zoella has been accused of doing this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, not to the same extent as this. No. But like she'll recommend like a product that, and not put ad in it and it's, people suggest she doesn't use that product and she's been paid off for it. Yeah, but it's, it's such a grey area because... Absolutely it is, isn't it? Yeah. So like some of the stuff that we do, like with Jamie, he hasn't been <coughs> paid to do it so it's not technically an ad. Yeah. So like the, the film reviews we do, 
Jamie Lang. Jamie Lang's never paid to do them. Yeah. Um, but we go along, we interview them. We, know, it's never, we don't even really give reviews of the movie or whatever, but it's still promoting it to a certain way. But we, have, yes. we don't have to say that's an ad because no one's been paid to do it. Is that the distinction? So if Jamie got paid by, we just did um, Legend of Tarzan. Yeah. If they paid Jamie... If you got £100 to do it, we'd have to disclose it. This was a sponsor piece of content. Really? He didn't get paid a single penny for it. Just wow. not an I mean, yeah, it's such a grey area. PewDiePie has actually responded. He did a he video that, when I checked just before I came in, it got 5.6 million views, called The PewDiePie Scandal. Okay. And he said, a lot of YouTubers were involved in the sponsorship, but since my name is the biggest YouTuber, my name is the only one that pops up. Basically, what happened was we weren't required to disclose. I still did it. Some other YouTubers actually didn't disclose, which sounds a bit like, you know when you got in trouble in school, like everyone in your class was doing something, yeah. and then you're like, oh, I missed, but he was doing it as well. That's what his defence is. And because, and because he's the biggest, he, he's the most influential, so of course he has to say something, and of course he's going to be the ones that, the one course, that yeah. find the headlines, because he's going to get it's like people he, to read it. He said, all of these news articles are using me as a clickbait, putting my name to shame, and I didn't even do anything wrong. Like, well, you have. Yeah, <laughs> clearly he has, so the FTC wouldn't have. Clearly have, but they wouldn't be writing about anything, and the FTC wouldn't get involved. Yeah. And it's like, and they're well within their rights to mention your name, but yeah. they're not going to mention some minuscule YouTuber with, well, relatively minuscule of 100,000 when you can get PewDiePie. Yeah. Is, he, is he the most popular YouTuber? He is the biggest YouTuber in the world. He's got an ex-stupid amount of followers, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, cool. Next story. This one. Tom, it's, it's slightly out of the media, but it's kind of involved. Okay. You've recently bought a pair of Air Jordans, haven't you? I do. Are you wearing them today? Uh, no, I'm wearing another pair of my Nikes today. I do love a good pair of Air Jordans. There's just a little stat about Michael Jordan. Okay. Michael Jordan is still the second richest athlete in the world, behind right. only Floyd Mayweather. And in 2013, which is 20 years after he retired from basketball, 1993, right. um, he made $90 million in 2013. Oh my God. Yeah. Air how, Jordans. How did he make $90 million? Air Jordans. Wow. It's an amount of money. He's got a net worth of $650 million. And basically what happened was when he they came up with debuted Air Jordans, he yeah. used to wear them in 1985 when he played, and the NBA used to fine him $5,000 a game. Nike would pay all of his fines, obviously. Yeah. And like people would say, oh, that's a stupid decision. And now he's earning this obscene money 20 years after he Fair retired. Play. Incredible. Yeah, that is incredible. <laughs> I just thought that was a really interesting little fact. It's an amazing foresight to go, as a brand, I am more valuable than that. And yeah. I, and I will make this money 10 times over by doing this. He was, in a sense, bigger than the sport. Yes, really and I still love buying Air Jordans, so yeah, yeah it's I worked. I own pairs of Air Jordans. He's, he's 51, he's the, most, uh, he's the highest earning retired athlete of all time. Round of applause, Michael Jordan. Well done, Mike. Yeah, well, well, welcome on the podcast done. anytime you like, <laughs> Michael. <laughs> okay, so my next one. Uh, Apple is apparently eyeing up to bid for the rights to show Formula One. We so this kind of ties into two or three podcasts ago. Well, yeah. I said that Apple should buy all the TV rights to all sports because Again. They, have, they have piles of cash. Um, and yeah, so it's from um, an experienced F1 journalist has said that apparently Apple have said they're a potential buyer and they're only running to buy what? an amount of rights for the F1. Well, of course, Tim Cook is a regular listener to the podcast. <laughs> Hello, Tim. Welcome. I think it's such a clever move. If Absolutely. They, if, they tie is, yeah. it, if, they, 
had F1, a bit of football, a bit of NFL. It doesn't have to be every single one, but if they had an amount of each of them, they said, if you bought an Apple TV, you get all these for free. F1 properly, as I know my brother's a huge fan of F1. Like people, it's, it's, the rights seem to be up for sale a lot. I swear it swaps around like BGN, yeah. Channel 4, like all of the time, right? Sky as well, to create the F1 channel. People properly move around with that sport. Yeah. So if Apple TV got rights, people would get Apple TVs just And also that. I think it would, it would tie in second screen beautifully. You know, if you had an Apple TV broadcasting F1 and yeah. on, your, on your big TV at home and you had iPads and phones lying around that could time with that experience, I think it would take it to a different level and VR, who knows what's coming next, but I think... They can make it so interactive, couldn't they? They yeah. could change, ah, oh, that'd be incredible. Yeah, it would change how we consume sport, I think. It would take it away from the Sky Sports of this world and... Sky Sports must companies. be quite worried, mustn't they? Like, with this impending... I'd be terrified. Well, they had BT Sport as well, which is still a concern for them. Yeah. Stuff like this must really get their backs. The amount of cash, Apple, literal cash they have lying around, got they more... can outbid all of them, every single vote. I know a few years ago they had more money available than the US Federal Reserve. Yeah. Which is absolutely incredible. Yeah. So I might, I might buy myself an Apple TV. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Incidentally, did you see UFC got bought for $4 billion? I know. It's something. amazing. That sport has blown up like yeah. nothing else. $4 billion. It's an incredible amount of money. I think, I think they said something like the original, the, the people who just sold it bought it for $10 million each. I think it was 15, 20 years ago, and now just sold it for $4 billion. As far as investments go. That's a decent return. It's that Dana White is still going to stay on as president, okay. but he's going to get paid like an obscene amount of money a year. But he made it in from just like, there's just this weird semi-illegal thing in lots of states into yeah. this huge conglomerate, and they're quite well known for not paying their fighters a huge amount of money, so their profit margins are just through the roof. Wow. It's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, that's really impressive. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. Marketers and advertisers, brands big and small. You've been after a special someone for a while now. You think they're into you. I mean, you share the same interests, both passionate about the same stuff. Why wouldn't they be? Wait. There's a moment of silence. It's finally just you two alone. They're waiting. Go on, shoot your shot. You've got a voice. Use it now. Hearts are racing. Breathing becomes heavier. This is your chance to win them over. So what are you going to say? Get closer to your audience. Make podcast ads with Acast. Head to go.acast.com slash closer to get started. Next story. This one at say. 
Uh, for those who don't know, Liz Warner, who is the co-founder of Betty, did a BAFTA television lecture where she spoke about the TV industry. And she described TV as old, boring and dying. And she said it's risk-averse, culturally bland programming. Now, she's done this a few times where she's really lashed out at TV. Uh, I want to ask you, do you think she's right? And if so, what, why is that happening? I think to a certain extent she is right. I think it's really brave of her to stand up on stage in front of those people. Yeah, um, I think she's upset a lot of people. Running a pretty thing. big production company. Yeah. Um, but I think TV needs a bit of a stab. It needs more people like her to stand on stage and go, what has happened to us in the industry? Why are we not pushing things forward? I mean, Eden is a great project. Yeah. Um, it's not crazy impressive. Like, it's impressive, but it's not like blowing my mind in the way that Big Brother did when it first came on or... You could accuse Eden of being... Do you remember Castaway? Yeah. It's not a million miles away from that. No, it's kind of that. Like, yeah. I don't feel TV has massively moved on in a big way. Not, not, on the same, not the same rate that other industries, other media industries are moving on. Absolutely. No one's taking risks in the same way. No one's doing... Do you think people aren't taking risks because... Um, and I think Liz argued this as well, um, because there is the threat of digital and online and YouTube Red and Netflix, Amazon, Buzzfeed now, Google, whoever doing their own content, that people are just so wanting to cling on to the ratings. So they, BBC commissions, uh, Goodnight Sweetheart and all these other, old city Dad's Army, all of this. They're just, just going for absolute bankers, just stuff that will guarantee you a certain amount of viewers because they don't want to take the risk. They want an absolute. Yeah, I imagine they're going all the risk taking is happening on digital, and that's happening elsewhere. Yeah. All that, all the interesting, crazier stuff is happening on different platforms. So they're going, well, what about the people who don't want that stuff? Let's just cater for them. Possibly that might be the mindset. I think they've got to start taking some risks though. Like Channel 4 is that. Yeah. I'm growing up thinking Channel 4 were the edgy channel, you know, that was the but channel I watched like, growing up. And they used to have a, like Blue Jam and stuff like that, the Chris yeah. Morris thing, and just like incredible kind of like, no one else would have touched it with a barge yeah. pole. Brass eye as well. I was, I was really still on top of the Olympic Stadium the other day, and um, I could see the Big Brother house. Oh, really? Not the Big Brother house, Big Breakfast house. Ah. See the Big Breakfast house. And I kind of went, what happened to that type of content? What happened to that anarchic, that yeah. unplanned, anything could happen TV? And that was breakfast telly. I mean, could you imagine that being on breakfast TV right now? Because they are moving more towards that kind of live, TV thing, right? Because that's what they can offer that Netflix either can't or doesn't. Yeah. Um, and stuff like that. So they're moving towards, but they're not embracing the anarchy. It's just Britain's Got Talent, X Factor. Again, they're just absolute bankers, aren't they? ITV just bought the voice, stuff like that. Yeah, it's just so, boring. It's, I, mean, I do agree with her, but like, I, I, don't, try, I don't know why. Like, I, I, I'm speculating when I say it's because commissioners are too afraid to take risks and they want to keep their jobs and stuff like yeah. that. Well, is it a problem when, like, people aren't coming out with the right ideas. I know, I think there's a lot of creative people in the industry. I don't, I don't think ideas is the problem. I think money and people being brave enough to commission Money, Yeah, money is potentially a huge issue. Obviously, all budgets have shrunk massively. Yeah. So now... People trying to do more with less. Exactly, yeah. So when stuff like Eden comes along, you think, oh, great, that's great. They've thrown a load of money at that. Like yeah. They're going to, in theory, get a good programme. Like they've invested heavily in that to create yeah. good content, whereas cool. now it's... You know, usual kind of times like Grand a Minute or whatever. What what British TV do you watch regularly? It's a great question. To be honest, outside of if David Attenborough does something, I watch that. Um, I watch football. Yeah. 
And that's where I stop. Uh, I watched The Apprentice, weirdly. <laughs> yeah, I kind of secretly love The Apprentice. I secretly love The Apprentice. Although the two of the things it's churned out, like Donald Trump from the American one and Katie Hopkins from the UK one, that's its legacy. Mm. <laughs> like, it's not a great legacy. Two of the most deplorable people. What about you? What do you watch on the UK TV? First Dates, I quite like. Yeah, I watch First Dates. Uh, Gogglebox I used to like. I'm less bothered about it these days. I've, I've never sat through a full episode, to be honest. Yeah, Jess loves it. I'm not that bothered about it. It's all right. It's, I, I like the novelty to begin with, and I'm just like, yeah. If I was going to spend 45 minutes watching something, I'd rather watch something rather than other people watching something. Apparently, when Channel 4 originally commissioned Peep Show, right, yeah. their, their advice to the creators of Peep Show was like, we want something with two guys just watching TV and commenting on what they're seeing on TV, just right. like one shot on those two guys, which suggests like the seed for Gogglebox had been in there for years and years and years, and then for some reason just didn't come out until fairly recently. I don't know, I, I, I've watched most, it's mainly American TV. Yeah, completely I, American TV. I, 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 particularly in terms of comedy, I think America is wiping the floor of the UK. Yeah. Absolutely destroying it. In fact, if people are listening, there's a programme called Nathan For You. Have you watched Nathan For You? Love Nathan For You. Oh, it's incredible, man. It's the funniest thing. And it's doing it hitting camera and it's like incredible, fun. well, not hitting camera, like, but using the camera in like really incredible ways. And I just, Oh, it's so innovative and yeah. it's so mad. And you watch someone like that and you're like, it's Comedy Central in America have done it and they've taken this, it's a huge risk, it doesn't rate very well, but if they, just because it's a good programme, they stick with it. Yeah. Because I don't think, people often criticise America for like flogging a dead horse and like making Big Bang Theory run for 500 seasons. Which I'm not a big fan of. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of it. But like, I appreciate that kind of like, they're embracing it, they're trying, like, they, they, yeah, will, yeah. Like, they will stick with things as well, they'll give things time. Whereas here, like six episodes, if you haven't cut through, it's like, mm, all right, you're gone. No matter how quickly well received it. So why, why do you think British comedy has died a death? Because we, we clearly got good comedians. Like stand-up comedian-wise, I think Britain has a pretty good yeah. set of stand-up comedians. So why are we not getting away good comedy TV programmes? I honestly... Other than panel shows, which is... I honestly don't know. I would say when I, was, when I used to work at Comedy Central, like, the amount, I don't know if it's because Comedy Central is slightly like everyone says they're great ideas to Channel 4 and the BBC, right? Yeah. So I don't know, like, a lot of the scripts we get sent through, we didn't turn away loads of good ideas. There okay. wasn't like loads and loads of loads of amazing ideas being fired at us. Every now and then there'd be one that I was like, that is incredible. Okay. That is brilliant. We should make that. And then we'll get turned down for X, Y, Z, usually because they're like, let's get a young person in it, even if it's not particularly funny. That yeah. I don't know. I don't know why it's not working. I mean, it's part of my job to try and find out I why. Catastrophe is <laughs> probably the last British comedy I watched. And I, season two wasn't great. Season one was genius, I thought. Catastrophe's but. like good. Like, I like yeah. it. Instantly, I saw Rob Delaney once um, at Highbury and Islington Station help a woman carry her suitcases down oh, the stairs. What a lovely man. Nice man. I don't, yeah, from his Twitter account, I wouldn't imagine him doing that, but. <laughs> He's savage on his Twitter account. Yeah. He's amazing because he um, was like, he was like a kind of jobbing LA comedian, right? Yeah. Not doing a huge amount, and through Twitter, built his career. Which is absolutely really incredible. incredible. Like he got voted funniest man on Twitter a few years ago and stuff like that. He's created this huge career. Yeah. I love Rob Delaney. I love Rob Delaney. Even Catastrophe is like, it's quite good. It's not The Office. It's not Alan Partridge. It's not no. Ali G. It's the not Space. But the first season was good enough for me to go, wow, for a British comedy, that was quite good. Yes. Which is not a great Yeah, it's like the bar's so low. Yeah. Like, I, I, Stuart Lee's comedy vehicle, which just got cancelled. It's not a sitcom, but that's the only other bit of British comedy I watch at the yeah. moment. 
Um, Common British comedy. Common British comedy. Okay, so my fourth and probably final one is all about uh, chatbots. So Pizza Hut is using chatbots to essentially, you can have a conversation with Pizza Hut. It isn't really happening, it's an AI bot answering you. Yeah. Where you can order pizza. Nice. Rather than having to phone them or text them, you can have a conversation with this fake person. Yeah. And pizza will turn up for your house. That's not, that's not <laughs> particularly like media related, but I think, I think it's really interesting what you could do with that in terms of stories and content and- What that means, I yeah. love this idea of AI and me to have a conversation on my phone with someone that isn't real. Yeah. But you could almost create your own stories. It's almost like your own narrative you could come up with. It feels like one of those innovations that was like, you know when you were a, like, in a kid, right? And you'd watch like what they imagined the future to be in the 90s and they yeah. imagine like, could that, could that feels like that idea has come to life? Like yeah. that kind of like what people imagine the future of the 90s is going to be. That feels but in terms like of like second screen or, can you imagine a TV series that was running weekly where the audience in between those two episodes could have conversations with these chatbots that could then get in, put into the next episode and you could also come part of your own narrative in the TV show and yeah, I, I think it's like I think that is really interesting where that's going to go. This whole idea of AI and people interacting with things and data and I know it's really geeky and you can get a bit stuck in the weeds, but I think no, I know it's Pizza Hut and that's not a great use of it, but at least people are starting to play around. People with People are starting stuff. to embrace it. And it's going to start to get normalised and stuff yeah. like that. And who's going to be the first media company to actually fully like you can imagine Buzzfeed or Vice. Embracing a chat. Imagine having a BuzzFeed chatbot, you know. It's amazing that Pizza Hut are leading the way. <laughs> it's always a pizza company. It's always Domino's a Pizza Hut. They always do the interesting stuff. It's mad, isn't it? Yeah, it is mad. Clearly uh, got um, very good profit margins. Yeah, oh, they must do, man. They charge 20 quid for Apparently a pizza. Apparently pizza costs like £1.40 to actually make. If that. Yeah. Particularly pizza Hut pizza. I, I won't slag them off. <laughs> yeah, if you want to sponsor the podcast, then get in touch. <laughs> You're still welcome. I, I stopped my son. We should some free pizza. Take some free pizza. We should get some free pizza. Yeah, we definitely should. Let's look for a sponsor. Okay. We should get that one down the road, actually. Yeah, it's down the pizza. Um, right, we can't have a podcast at the moment without mentioning Pokemon Go. You said that was such a... Um... Disdain. Yeah, that's what you were looking for. Have you actually played it? Uh, one of the guys in the office let me use it for a little bit. I, it's called Augmented Reality. Yeah. It? It's, I'm going to tell you some facts about okay. Pokemon Go. Another fact. Uh, only launched in the UK yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, but since it's released, uh, Nintendo's shares have gone up 50%. Um, it's the biggest mobile gaming app ever when it comes to daily active users. It's been installed twice as many times as Tinder. It has 21 million active daily users in the US alone, which takes it past tw- Twitter and brings it neck and neck with Snapchat and Google Maps. That is bonkers. It's only about two weeks old. It's insane, isn't it? I, I, my friend showed me at the weekend and he had to get like a US iTunes account and stuff yeah. like that and hack into it. I'm already seeing things where brands are starting to get on board and do like branded places where you can go and get Pokemon yeah. and, and brand integrations. There was a coffee shop called Huge or something like that in LA and I don't know how they did it but apparently you can make like, they made their coffee shop like a hotspot for Pokemon right. to bring people into the store and then when they're there they go like, oh, get a latte. Great idea. That's a great idea. Other things that have happened as a result are, you want, someone found, someone in Wyoming found a dead body Okay, as you do. Uh, what else did happen? A guy got caught cheating on his girlfriend. How, because, how the hell did that happen? Because she saw where he was playing the game and he was playing it at his ex-girlfriend's house. <laughs> <laughs> Do 
the nerdiest way to get caught. Oh my god. It's uh, a great story though. It's a great story. Um, and people are charging to be trainers now. So they're charging, I think it's $30 an hour to be like, I'll teach you how to get charizard. What, what is that? To... I don't know. I mean... We're the, we're the two um, most unlikely people to probably play this game. It's one of those things that like, when I hear about it, it makes me feel like a lot older than I am. I'm still in my 20s and I just don't get this. Did you play the original Pokemon? No, I remember the cards, right? I was, I remember kind of vaguely. But like on the on the um, Game Boy, did you have the actual? No, did you? Yeah. Is it good? Not really. Wasn't no. my thing. There's like there's loads of them, wasn't there? I don't know. I had a friend at school who was unbelievably obsessed with it. Like, really? Unbelievably obsessed with it. I remember hearing all the horror stories where it'd be like someone got stabbed to steal a Charizard. Yeah. And Pikachu and. All I think that. I've got this aversion to. I think everyone in the office will probably agree that if everyone gets obsessed with something, I do have the opposite reaction. We haven't got obsessed with Uber Eats about two weeks ago. I, I couldn't use the app because... Have you not used Uber Eats yet? No. I have got five free lunches for Uber Eats. <laughs> I've been embracing it. And then they emailed me to say, sorry, your lunch was late and sent me another £20 voucher. Oh, that was nice of them. But I don't remember my lunch ever being late. Oh. And I didn't pay for it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it was going great. But Pokemon, I think it's, um, it's really clever. As I, think yeah. I think the game, I downloaded it this morning, played for about two minutes and then deleted it because... Is it fun? Not really. But I, I can see how people would get addicted to it. I was walking around on my lunch break and you see loads of people just like heads down staring at yeah. their phone and they're just it's so abundantly obvious. That There's an amazing Casey Neistat vlog, I think the one from yesterday, where he went past about three different people and stopped when playing Pokemon. Apparently, yeah, there's like all these like uh, like pictures on Reddit of like it's brought all these people together and it'll be a group of like 10 people you'd never expect to see each other going like, we're playing Pokemon. And yeah. that's quite nice, isn't it? It's bringing people together. Yeah. It's kind of an example of tech kind of bringing people out of their homes. It's quite yeah. a social kind of app and game, isn't uh, it? I love that AR is becoming used and it's becoming a thing because it's, everyone bangs on about VR and putting these headsets on. That's not, I don't, for me, that's not the future of media. That's like, it's no. very immersive, it's great for gaming and movies will probably be awesome at it, but in terms of everyday life, augmented reality, I think. It's absolutely it's, it's really isn't it? cool. And at least, at least things are starting to come out into the mainstream that are actually using them. VR and 3D films, I feel like were those things where I like, heard about them when I was a child, remember them being around, no one spoke about them for like 15 years and then suddenly they came back and I was yeah. like, this is the future. And I was like, you've not mentioned this. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if they're just, perfecting the technology and it's got a lot more advanced. And I think when PlayStation, they're bringing out a VR version of the PS4 oh, really? later this year, apparently, which I'll probably get. So I mean, in the geekiest sense, I think I'm really intrigued to see what that can, like what that experience is like. Yeah. But in terms of day-to-day, like VR for me is not going to become a thing. But a- AR could become a thing. Like, I mean, you could imagine a world and when information was happening around you in an augmented way that was personalised to you. And yeah. I can imagine that happening. I mean, if this is anything to go by, there's going to be a million different copycat apps of this. Oh, yeah, they apply exactly the same principles. Yeah. But none of them are Pokemon and don't have this huge following. Um, that sadly marks the end of this week's episode. Um, please subscribe, leave positive reviews, and follow us on Twitter at MediaversePod, and like us on Facebook. Listen back to old episodes if you haven't already. And um, we're going to get guests in soon. So we are. If you've got any suggestions of people you want me and Tom to speak to, let us know. Uh, we've got a few lined up that we think you're going to love. Um, yeah, thank you for listening. That was the Mediaverse. That was the Mediaverse. Bye. Bye.